0: If you have your Bibles this morning, um, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, Now, as you're turning there, I need to give you a little bit of a disclaimer this morning, a little bit of a warning um, as you're turning to Matthew chapter 1, um, that as we turn there and you discover what is inside of Matthew chapter 1. Um, the place where we're going to read from this morning is the usual place that we're going to read in scripture. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a stretch for you, hopefully, maybe, and it's going to be a little bit of a stretch for me too. Um, the, as the passage we're going to look at is the part, parts of the Bible that people tend to skip over. Um, people tend to go, oh, I know what's coming. We're going to move forward. In fact, um, my son Owen, as he's been trying to, to get into Bible reading and understand how to read the Bible, it's these moments when he comes to these parts of Scripture that are like this, and he will say, Dad, I don't know what to do with this. Can I just skip it? And I say, Sure, buddy. You know, if that, if that will help you, you, you go right ahead. But today we're going to lean into it. Today we're not going to skip it. Today we're going to read the first 17 verses of Matthew chapter 1. Now if you're in Matthew chapter 1 and you look at the first 17 verses, you'll understand why. If you're not in Matthew chapter 1 and you haven't, it's 17 verses of names. Um, It's a genealogy. 42 generations we're going to read through this morning. And so why that's a stretching thing is you're going to hear a whole bunch of weirdly pronounced names that I'm sure I'm not saying right. And it's a stretching thing for me because I've got to pronounce 42 ancient Hebrew names as best as I can. And some of these names, you may go, oh, I heard of that guy. But the majority of them, you're going to say, I don't know who that is. And 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 we're going to move through all of this. And so it's going to be a a little bit of a journey for us this morning. But I'm going to talk to you about why, why this is so important and why a genealogy like this is so important for right now in our church. So if you're in Matthew chapter, two, or Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 1 together, where it will say, this is the genealogy of Jesus, Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab, Amminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jodham. Jodham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, Josiah, the father of Jehoiakim, Jeho- and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. Two-thirds of the way there, friends. You still with me? All right, here we go. Verse 12. Well, whoa. All right, verse... There we go. After the exile to Babylon, Jehoiakim was the father of Shittah, Shatiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abahud, Abahud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Matin, Matin, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Phew! We made it. Well, thank you. I'm sure we can do the altar call right now. If you were not moved by the Holy Spirit in that list of names to just repent and leave from here with the power of God burning a fire in your soul, I don't know what else I can do for you this morning. But I know that that list of names, um, some you've heard before, but, but most you haven't, and that's okay. That, that's okay. Don't, the, you know, when I say some you've heard before, some you haven't, it's not with a, with a hint of shame. Or a little bit of leaning on like, but if you really had read your Bible, you would know who all these people... No, you wouldn't. It's okay. But as we read through this, you know, show of hands, let's be honest. How many people read their genealogies in the Bible? Sometimes. There you go. Sometimes. This is background information that we don't know about. This, this is, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the. you go to a friend's house and they say, can I show you the slideshow of our trip to, now that's not really a thing anymore, but it used to be a thing. Can I show you a slideshow of our trip that we went on and for the first little bit, hey, it's kind of interesting. And then as you're going on to hour two and three, you're like, I get it. You were on holidays. This is a part of the story, these are the parts of things that that for us, as we read these things thousands and thousands of years later, we think, that's neat, it's neat that it says that there's 14 generations, cool, but this isn't what I'm here for. But it's interesting to note that when you think about, when we think about what the Bible is and and all of that, it's interesting to note that this is how Matthew was inspired by God to begin the story of Jesus. That, That as Matthew sat down to write his gospel, the Holy Spirit would lead him to begin with 17 verses of names, 42 generations of names and then as God saw fit to inspire the the collection of books for the Bible and saw saw fit to order the books of the Bible God himself ordained that this is how the New Testament would begin that it's not just random coincidence. The Gospels aren't in alphabetical order. But, but Matt, God inspired Matthew and said, you begin by writing down everybody from Abraham to Jesus. And then God said, and make sure that that goes at the start of the New Testament. The start of the story of the next phase. The start of this new covenant. The start of... My church, me sending my son, and then the Holy Spirit, and the gospel going out to all the world. I want it to begin with a whole list of names that 2,000 years from now, it's going to be a novelty that the preacher preached them. That's how God wanted to start the New Testament. And so why is Jesus' family history so important at this point in the Bible? Now, this isn't the point of my sermon, but I thought it's important that I at least talk about this because I think it's important for us to understand. But I think that Jesus' genealogy serves two purposes. Um, first, it tells the, the readers, it tell, told the people of Israel just who Jesus was. The original readers of this gospel were Jewish people who Matthew believed could best understand Jesus if they knew how he fit in their history. You know who Abraham was, he says. And Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon. This Jesus, this Christ, he's their descendant. And second, this list of generations told Matthew's readers the the meaning of their history. It just didn't present to them who Jesus was, but it, it gave everything that took place meaning. In Jesus' day, the people of Israel looked to the past for their purpose. As they looked at who they were and who God was, they remembered God as the one who brought us out of Egypt. The the, the Passover, that that's who we are. We are the people of the Red Sea. But, But Matthew would bring home a different understanding and say, no, it's not what God did, it's what God is doing. They were the people who had been delivered from Egypt, had received the Ten Commandments, and had conquered the Promised Land. And this was how they found their purpose and meaning and who they were. They were the people of this God who had done all of these great things in the past. But since God had done all those great things, things hadn't gone so well. They'd been taken over by one ruling nation after another. They were enslaved to the Babylonians and then the Assyrians and the Romans and things had not gone well and so they couldn't find purpose, they they couldn't see this is what God is doing so they had to hold on to this is what God has done. And so in this long genealogy of Jesus, this, this long list of names, Matthew tells them That the meaning of your history, it's not just found in the past. But God has been working and God is still working. And everything that was the past was leading to Jesus. The significance of of Abraham and Jacob and David is, is not that they lived in the good old days when God cared. But that their lives were forerunners to Jesus. That they were leading Jesus. The importance of Israel's history for Matthew is that it was moving forward through those 42 generations to this point, this moment, the birth of a Savior. And so if we take these two reasons for beginning his gospel with Jesus' genealogy, it, it helps us to understand our history that shapes us and shapes our reflections as we, as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of our church, the 30 years of ministry that God has been so faithful to for this congregation. It helps us to understand why that's important. Why is it important 30 years? It's a number that ends in a zero. And so that holds special prominence for the parts of our brains that like order. You know, last year on our 29th anniversary, Bob came and prayed for us. And that felt appropriate for the 29th anniversary. But it's the 30th this year. We gotta do something. It's big. It's important. Not that Bob's prayer wasn't great. I still remember it. But but as we understand... History First, we need to see that in this genealogy and what it means as we look at our history. First, as a church, we're formed and identified by our history, by where we've been in our past. And second, the meaning of that history is determined by the future, by where history is leading us. But more so than understanding these abstract concepts and, and, and these abstract ideas of how we look to the past and understand the past and how it shapes our future, what I really want to talk to you about this morning, and this gets us a really long introduction to our sermon this morning, but what I really want to talk to us, there's a couple things that I think this passage will say to us today about how we fit in history. And how we look at our place in it, and how we look at our place inside the church and inside of God's kingdom. What does God say to us today? There are a couple things, three things that I want to highlight from this list of names that I think show us what, what we can understand and what we can learn from all of these genealogies that we read in our Bible. What God, how God sees us and how God thinks of us so first I want to ask you just a couple questions and again just be honest it's okay if you raise your hand great if not great too Um, has anybody here heard of David and Solomon King David from the Bible if you haven't that's okay that's that's not a problem but that's great what about Abraham or Isaac or Jacob yeah okay what about Ruth okay what about what about Rahab there's some pretty significant names that we read through here. In the Old Testament in this list, if you grew up in the church, you, you probably have heard these folks in Sunday school and you've heard them talked about on Sunday mornings. Okay, who here's heard of Zadok? Bob, hey, I got one. All right. What about Abihud? Jotham? Oh, Tom's, Tom's got one. What about Jotham? Couple. What about Hezron? Couple. These, there, there are some names in this story that as I read through them, everybody goes, heard of that one. Even if you never went to church, like King David is a thing. You know, that's a thing. Some of these names, they're not Things. You really have to do some digging in your Bible to find them somewhere else other than here. And some of these names only really show up here. There's no great stories about them. There's no Sunday school stories. There's no sermon stories. There's not even stories really in the Bible that we're going to read. It's just a name on a list. In fact, even for Matthew's readers, some of these names wouldn't have jumped off the page. Some would have, like they do for us, but but it's naive to think that everybody's heard of everybody on this list, because for some of these people, they were names on a list. So why would Matthew go to all the trouble to figure out who begat who? Why, why would that be the place to begin? As you're beginning to tell the story, I know, I'll figure out everybody who was the father of everybody and, and see where this leads. Or why not just hit the high notes? Why not, hey reader, as I was doing some research on this Jesus fellow, let me tell you who I found in his family history. Let me give you the quick ancestry DNA, you know, results. Here's the list of all the famous people you're related to. Here's the list of all the famous people this Jesus guy was related to. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Ruth. Why include all these other names that just seem to clog things up? Well, the short answer is that God wanted it that way. That God said, go include every single name, no matter how tedious it may make it to read this in church thousands of years later. Include every single name. As God inspired Matthew to write the book, he made sure to include all these names. So then the question is not why did Matthew do that, but why did God do that? Because he's writing his, his gospel as he's inspiring. He's got an eye for us today. And he knows we're not going to want to read this. And he knows that when you get to that part in your Bible reading plan, it is skip to next chapter, you know, that you can do that. And, and he knows that. So why would God do that? Why does God clog up his genealogy with all these no-name people? Because although we don't know who these people were, And although perhaps even when Matthew wrote this, some of his readers had no idea who these people were, God knew them. God saw them. God valued them. God cared for them. And God loved them. And God wanted to make sure that these were people who were seen, these were people who were recognized, And these were people whose names would be read throughout the rest of human history. That when Jesus promised and he said, No word is going to disappear from from the law. No word is going to disappear from my word. These names are going to be there. For now and for forever. And so for us... And for those reading this, there there may have been a bunch of names without faces or stories. But for God, they were individuals that, that God loved and cared for and wanted to make sure that their names were included in his story. And so, what does that mean for us today? When you look at your life and your story and you think, Who am I? What do I matter? Who even notices me? Or as we talk about our 30th anniversary as a church, you you may say, I haven't played much of a part in that. Or you may say, this is my first Sunday here. I didn't even know you were doing this. I haven't even had a chance yet. But what these verses show us, and what hopefully these verses show you this morning, is that no matter if we think no one sees us. Even if we think we don't matter, even if we think we're just a name without a face, we're just a name without a story, or we're just a face without a name, what these genealogies tell us is that God sees you. You may view yourself As a name that if we were to say, who here knows Bob? And no hands in the auditorium would go up. I don't know who that is. You may see yourself as that. You may say, nobody here knows me. And maybe it's your first Sunday and yeah, that's true. Well, we'd like to get to know you. But maybe you've been coming for a while and you still feel like, man, nobody here knows me. God knows you, God sees you, he values you, he cares for you, he loves you, and God wants to make sure that you know that you're seen and you're recognized. If nothing else, as we read through these genealogies, you can see in this your name fitting in there. And you're able to say, even if nobody else knows, God knew. See, God knows your name. And scripture will tell us that God has made sure that he will remember your name. This is what God says about you. He says, see, I have engraved you in the palm of my hand. He's written your name on the palm of his hand. He doesn't say, I've got a short list of people that matter. And if you're good enough, you can make the elbow. But if you're really, really good, you can start to get close to the hand. And by the time you get to the hand, if you're their brother, it's you and Billy Graham. He says, I've written your name on my hand no matter what your role looks like, be it your first time here, or I did the math, and you know what 52 weeks times 30 years is? It's over 1,500 church services. You could have come to church here 1,500 times. That's amazing. 1,500 of anything is a lot. Whether you come occasionally whether you you join us online, whether you serve and everybody sees, or whether you, you come and you serve behind the scenes and you're not sure if anybody sees, whatever your connection to church this morning, what God wants you to know today is that God sees you. God sees you. And the second thing, that we can take away from these verses. Is that there's some pretty complicated stories attached to some of these names. There's some pretty dark moments listed in these verses. They don't go into detail. But when it says, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. If you're familiar with that story, that's a very, like, sanitized, easy, digestible Description of everything that went on around that. That, you know, Matthew's audience knew the story, and it, it, for many of us today, we might know the story. If you don't know the story, we're not going to get into the story today, but to understand that, that as we read, and David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. There's some darkness to that. There's some, there's some not great Stuff to unpack in that story. There's a lot of stuff. There's some people with some pretty complicated stories in this name of lists. Tamar has a very complicated story. Rahab has a very complicated story. Even some of the famous name, we talked about David. Abraham has a very complicated story. So does his son Isaac. Very complicated. Jacob, you know, the three patriarchs. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's some complicated parts to those stories. And so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you today? That, that these people are not just these pillars of virtue, but that there's complicated stuff there. It shows us the truth of who God is willing to use and who God does use. See, Jesus' family history is a family history filled with flawed and broken people. We're not just showing this list of, look at all of these people who lived perfect lives so that they're perfect Great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson could be born. Look at how perfect and virtuous and great these people were. There's an expression that I, I like that I think we can see in this list. God uses crooked sticks to make straight lines. You see, God didn't choose people who were perfect, not, not even close, He didn't choose the righteous and the religious elite to to give Jesus and his backstory and his family history all this credibility because of their perfection. All throughout the Bible, God uses broken vessels and imperfect people, the flawed, the messed up. So, So when you're tempted to ask, when you're tempted to say, Lord, am I too broken? Am I too flawed? Am I too messed up? Has too much gone on in my life For you to use me, just open Matthew chapter 1. And remember, Jesus chose a king who committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed to cover up his son. He chose a Hebrew who had a supposed speech impediment. He chose a prostitute. He chose a persecutor of believers. He chose a tax collector. And on and on and on when we feel self-conscious or insecure or ashamed about who we are, and and that causes us to take a step back and wonder, can God really use this mess? We can look back at this list of names, and without arrogance, but with all humility, we can look at this list of names and go, yep, if God can use that, then God can use this. As we look back at 30 years of our church, there are names of people that may seem more significant. And there are names that we may not remember. But God knows all of them, and God has used all of them. We can sometimes wonder about God's ability to use us, but God has used a lot of crooked sticks over the years to make a lot of straight lines. And as we stand at the end of the first 30 years and we look towards the next 30 years and beyond, each one of us, every single one of us, no no matter how we may view our name or our role in the church, God will know and God will remember. God sees us and God values us. And God is going to use some of these crooked sticks to make some straight lines. There's one last principle that I want to share with you this this morning today. And I think I still got a couple minutes while it's this morning. Um, Something that we can see in our text today. So you look at the history of everything that's expressed in the context of these verses. Something that we can see in the history of Israel. Something that, that as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of our church... And something that's, that's true for us as people, and something that's true for you today, Craig sort of talked about this as he shared with us, the, the principle is this, and, and this is something I want to encourage you deeply with this morning, and I want to hope that it speaks life and wholeness and gives you excitement for what God has for you. But the principle that we can find in all that we've talked about this morning is this, God doesn't give you a past without promising you a future. Your past, no matter how complicated, difficult, pleasant, peaceful, it may be. And we read all of that in those names that we read today. Some of those people lived quiet, peaceful, good, righteous lives, and some had very complicated stories, but we see from all of the names today that your past doesn't disqualify you from being used by God, but your past is a promise that God's got a future for you whatever you've walked through to get here today, whatever your past, whatever. So, so for church today, for your life today, God wants you to know that because your yesterday got you here today, that God has a promise for your future. God has a plan for your future. There's so many verses we can read that talk about the future that God has for you. I have a plan for you, a purpose for you, to to bless you and to give you hope and to to, to keep you from stumbling and to, to him who's able to keep us from stumbling and the author and the finisher of our faith, that God, because he's got you here today, means he has a plan and a purpose and a promise for your tomorrow. And so as we read through these names... And we come to these complicated moments. We don't read, and God gave up and found somebody else. That there was 14 generations, and then God just washed his hands of that family and said, these people are too messed up. Let me go find somebody else. And he started again over here until they just got too weird. And then I found somebody else. Every messed up situation was a promise that God's going to redeem it. And as we read through all these names, there's complicated stories. Each one of their complicated stories was used to tell the story of Jesus Christ. And that's the promise that God has for you today. Your complicated story is gonna be used to tell the, na- tell the world the name of of Jesus Christ. And so as we stand on our past, looking for the Lord to lead us wherever he may take us, we trust and we know and we understand that God has a promise for our future. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that as even as we look at some challenging to read scriptures places where it's hard for us to to mind what it is that you're saying to us god i thank you that just the mere existence of all of these names in the bible give us so many promises about how you see us that each life here represented not just something that happened but it represents a person that you love that you cared for that you saw and that you valued and God, I thank you that, that each complicated story represents a crooked stick that you use to make a straight line pointing to the Messiah. To us. And God, I thank you that each moment of complication, each moment where we look at the past, God, I thank you that the past shows us the promise of a future. And so God, I pray for all of us gathered here today, for all of us watching online, for each person here, God, I thank you. That in your grace, in your mercy, God, I thank you that each one here, the fact that they're here today, let it serve as a reminder that you have a promise for their tomorrow. And God, for those who are gathered here today unsure of their tomorrow, unsure, I don't know what God has for me. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm tired of what I'm doing and I want to do something else. I don't know what life is for me right now. God, would you allow us to be just enveloped by your promise? Your promise that our past is a promise of a future. And so God, I pray that you would fill us with hope for the future that you have for us today. You would fill us with hope no matter where we're standing from and no matter where we're viewing our present from, be it through the lens of regret, shame, remorse, God, be it through the lens of of joy and excitement, God, whatever it may be that we're looking at our present and our past with, God, may in a supernatural way, may you come and touch our hearts and our lives and would you give us a hope for our future. God, I thank you that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And God, I thank you that each one who names the name of Christ has a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness. And God, I pray that we would be able to trust in the God who got us here today, that you'll be the God who will get us through tomorrow and will lead us wherever we need to go. And that through our complicated stories, our complicated past, that you would use those things to lead people to you. God, I thank you for your love and your care and your provision for each one of us. God, we're so grateful that you love us intimately, you know us intimately, and you have our name written on the palm of your hand. Thank you, Jesus, we love you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You made the rain, so when it falls on me, should I complain? Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message minister to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. You are the joy. You're the smile on the face of your boy the flowers at the park in Detroit. Still the words on the back of our coins. Let's make some noise. You cover me, my defender. When you're rolling up your sleeve. you're the truth that's gonna set the captive free. The only king that's ever chose to bleed is what I believe. But they keep trying to make your glory fade. I ain't really sweating what they say. Ain't no doubt about you. Everywhere that I go, you keep showing up. Lord, you. still see the sunshine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're a good goodness. Through the good and the bad and the ugly, I can still feel the sunshine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good. You you're the good, you're the good. No doubt about it.